everyone, this is the Business Food Edition of the Dreamers and Doers podcast. I'm Emma and joined by my, my co-host, Aria. It's great to be here today. Hi, Emma. Each week we'll come to you live from the Lovers campus where you will hear interviews from our youngest and most experienced entrepreneurs who will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to help your leadership and business. The Biz Buddha, pod, per, the Biz Buddha podcast partners with the Norman Chamber of Commerce and who advocates to see Norman, Oklahoma be a thriving business community. And Bismuth Buddha is powered by First United Bank Norman. First United, First United is not your typical bank whose purpose is to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. Thank you to Thank you to Norman Chamber of Commerce and First United Bank for helping see our youngest entrepreneur achieve their business dream. Now let's get into our interview. Today we are joined by dreamer and doer, Dr. Robert Lepak. With a Bachelor of Business Administration and Entrepreneurship and a JD degree, Robert Bobby Lepak teaches undergraduate business law classes in the Price College of Business, including legal, legal environment of business and law of business organizations. In addition, Bobby is the director of the First Fidelity Integrated Business Core Program, a hands-on, real-world experiential training for undergraduate students through stimulated business opportunities inside, inside and outside of the classroom. Prior to joining the full-time faculty at OU, Professor Lepak served as an adjunct instructor teaching several classes in the Price College covering topics ranging from entrepreneurship to negotiation. He's licensed to practice law in Oklahoma and has been engaged in private practice since 2011. His practice focuses in oil and gas, real estate transactions, foreclosure, general civil litigation, and advising startups and small businesses on a variety of issues. So hello, Mr. Lepak. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So we are the Dreamer and Doers podcast, and we'd like to know, do you consider yourself a more natural dreamer or doer? I am definitely a more natural dreamer. Uh, I, I find... Uh, Walt Disney to be a big inspiration, and I think I have a lot in common, obviously not as much success as him, but uh, personality-wise, a lot in common with him. What was life like for you growing up? Like, was one of your first dream jobs, like, associated with what you do now? Yeah, so I grew up in a a big family. There there were five kids in my family, and uh, mostly lived in a small town in northeast Oklahoma called Claremore. when I was a kid, uh, I always was starting businesses. That was a big part of, of kind of my identity as a child. Uh, the, the first one, I was four years old, and I was trying to sell coffee at my siblings' soccer games. Um, and so definitely, you know, what I do now, teaching business at the university and, and working with small businesses and startups that are maybe hopefully someday going to be a bigger business, um, there's definitely a lot of commonality with what I grew up with. Nice. And a similar question. Can you tell us about your journey to overseeing the OU Integrated Business Work Program? Certainly. Um, the, the program, it's the First Fidelity Bank Integrated Business Core Program, which that's a lot of words to, to say we're going to take your classes that you would take as a regular business student, uh, combine them all together, integrate them, and use the topics that we're learning there uh, to um, apply to a real-world scenario. So we'll, we'll actually start a company in that class. Students will actually start a business. Um, the way I became the director is I, I had some familiarity with the program. Um, I was in the program when I was a student. I was actually a company president. I, my company had 
uh, product that was a slap and wrap koozie as many years ago. Uh, so I'd always loved the program. My siblings had been in the program, and so I was, I was very familiar with it from, from that angle. Um, the former director decided to, to retire from that position, and when she did, there was an opportunity for me to do it. And because I had this, this connection to it from when I was a student, and then some of the expertise in working with law and entrepreneurship, and one of the core classes you have in, in uh, business degree is a law class that I teach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, this is kind of a natural fit. So I got this opportunity started a year ago on next Monday. So uh, it's, um, it, it's, it's been a good experience. My first year is a little, a little bit of a transition, but, but it's been good. That's great. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are students who are either just starting their business or have an idea. Do you have any advice for them uh, for, to start something new? Yeah. I think that one thing that is, is always important when you're starting anything is to really focus on the customer. I think sometimes, and, and I'm a, like I said before, I'm a dreamer, so that some people say like clouds versus the dirt, right? So the, the clouds is like the thinking and daydreaming, coming up with the idea, and the dirt is the nitty gritty of like, how do we actually get this thing done, right? And I think that it's tempting when, you're, when you have an idea and you're very passionate about it to focus on the idea and the thing and assume the customers are going to want it. And that, that can result in you spending a lot of time working very hard on something only to find out, oh no, nobody wants this thing. So really understanding what is it that you're trying to provide to your customer? What problem are you solving for them? Some people say like, what pain are you resolving for your customer? What is that What is that, that you're going to do? Um, and I think that's really important, and I think that sometimes it gets overlooked, and then people are disappointed when they've put in all this work or this expense, and then they get to market and realize, like, nobody, nobody really wants this thing. Yeah, your business has to be centered around customer needs. Customer wants, customer needs. What are their pain points? Yeah, that's important. So can you tell us about one of the greatest challenges that one of your student companies has faced, and how do you help them overcome that? Well, so one of the biggest challenges, and we're in, you know, just for me, it's just been one year, but this program's been around for 20 some odd years, 27 years, I believe. Um, and one of the, the challenges is that we're in a tight timeline because this is only operating on a semester basis. You got to get, you know, you got to come up with what your product is going to be. You got to figure out, you know, is there demand for it? You have to come up with all your planning for how you're going to market it how you're going to manage the inventory and logistics, get a loan from the bank, and, and go sell. And with that tight timeline, supply chain issues and managing just the basics of your inventory tend to be where I see a lot of issues um, that, are, that are unique to IBC because you, you can't just say like, well, if it's delayed for a month, oh well, we'll start in a month because by then the semester's over. Yeah. So, um, when we've had students in the past order something, and last year a good example is we had a company called Top Dog Toys that made uh, different dog toys that were OU branded. And their, their product was coming to Norman from far away, and, and one, from both coasts actually. And, and it may have even been further and ports on those coasts, we're not really sure. But at one point their product got super delayed. And it was like, okay, it's going to be delivered, you know, in October. And then it's like, it's going to be late October. It's like, no, it'll be early November. It's like, no, it'll actually be mid-November. And now they're sitting around 
where they have a business with no product. There's nothing to, to show anyone. Well, they had to get creative about how are they going to sell a product when they can't just hand it to someone right now. They needed to be able to take pre-orders. They needed to, to look at what other activities could they be doing to prepare for when they eventually do get their product, right? And so one of the things that, that I tried to help them with is, okay, that, that part's mostly out of your control. We can't make a boat move faster and, and get it unloaded and there was a trucking shortage and whatever, right? But there are things that are in your control. Like you can make a plan for how are we going to distribute this the minute it shows up and not have to, you know what I'm saying, we're not going to be stuck going, okay, now we have the product, now let's figure out logistics. So you can control something. So let's work on what we can control. Yeah, that's really important too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was one of the life, what's a life lesson that um, you wish someone in middle or high school would have told you when you were younger? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that when I was younger, there was a certain part of, you know, you want to be older. You want to grow up fast. And I, I wish somebody had said, like, there's a lot of time. You're an adult for a really long time, right? Like, the rest of your life, you're going to be an adult. And the thing about being an adult is, like, it's every day. Like, you're going to be an adult every day for the rest of your life once you're an adult. You don't get to go back. So the things that you can't do when you're an adult, take advantage of doing them when you're a kid, right? And that, that's a, there's a lot of things, you know, whether that's things like having fun, right? It's this certain, you know, I have, I have more time when I'm a child to just be, right? To just go be and have fun with my friends. Um, but also, uh, you know, there are opportunities that are only available for young people because people in my position probably wouldn't extend the same courtesy to someone that's 35, right? If somebody that's 12 comes and says, I really want to learn about entrepreneurship, can you give me an hour to talk to me about entrepreneurship? I'm much more likely to just give them that time than somebody that's a 40-year-old, right? Because I would expect an adult has a lot of other ways that they can learn about entrepreneurship and, and they don't, I'm not going to give them my time for that. The other thing is, you know, when, you, when you're a kid, when you're younger, at some point, and nobody's going to tell you that this is the, the point, you're going to do something for the last time. It's going to be the last time that you and your friends are going to get together and play a pickup basketball game. Or it's going to be the last time that you go uh, play on a, a Little League team or something like that, right? And so savor all those moments. Actually be right there in the moment and experience it fully and appreciate it for what it is because you don't get it back later, right? You, you can't go back and redo childhood. Right, so soak it up, experience it, enjoy it, and I think that you know for those that are entrepreneurs that are excited about trying to to come up with business ideas, you know really uh, soak up that part of being a kid entrepreneur, right? And and part of that is you have a unique perspective and something to offer that other people don't. Frequently, younger people, children, uh, teenagers they see the world or see opportunities that people like me don't. And I'll give you one example if you'll indulge me. If you have, I don't know if I'm taking up too much time or talking way too much. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, which, you know, college is teenage years at the beginning, um, everybody I knew, nobody had a laptop. I mean, very few people had a laptop. Um, but OU was fortunate in that it was a very wired campus, meaning you could get on a computer 
that was wired to the internet pretty much anywhere on campus. There was a computer lab in the library, and there was one in like every college and in the student union. So you always had access to a computer, and you had uh, web-based access to your your email. Okay, uh, so back then this was the era when people were still carrying around disks with information on it, and like the the jump drive, the thumb drive was new when I was in college. The idea that I was going to get a USB drive and plug it into a computer and take it with me. If I wanted to have my files, I had to have a CD or I had to have a, a floppy disk. Well, most of my peers figured out, well, we could, if we were working on an assignment and we were in Word or Excel or something, we could save it to that computer and then email it to ourselves, and then it would just be available wherever I was. Whenever I logged into my email, there, there it was because we had unlimited storage in our emails and we were able to send these files. Well, you guys are like, yeah, this is like Dropbox or Google Drive or all these things. None of those existed. So we were already cloud computing. We, we had the understanding of the idea of like, I don't need a physical thing to have my storage somewhere. It's, it's going to be stored in some server somewhere off in the cloud before anyone was really talking about that, right? Now, we didn't recognize how valuable that perspective was until a few years later when some people that were around my age said, like, oh, we're going to work, we're going to show you what Dropbox is, right? We're going to invent this thing, and it's going to be a valuable uh, piece of technology that everyone uses now, right? So, you know, my other piece of advice beyond soak up being a kid and do the things you can only do when you're a kid while you're a kid is one of those things is you've got a perspective that other people don't have, Right. And so take advantage of that perspective and you're looking at things with new eyes and you don't have, you're not stuck with old ideas and maybe there's a way to, to derive value from that, a way to monetize that. That was a really great answer and a nice story too. <laughs> okay. So thank you. And for our last question, do you have a tip of any kind that you want to share with our students that want to start their own business? Yeah, I, I would say um, if you're going to start your own business, one thing that people get afraid of and I, I was this way for a long time, is they go, anything related to numbers and accounting and finance, especially if you're a creative type, if this, that's not your bag, you're a marketer or whatever, you go, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to find a, a numbers guy. Like, that's going to be somebody else's job. I want to focus on the ideas. I don't necessarily want to focus on the finances or the numbers. That seems like the boring part. And I think that, you know, for a long time I resisted that. And as I've gotten older, I've realized, like, actually, if you can, you can learn accounting and, and learn the concepts related to financial modeling um, so that you can actually determine, is this idea, based on some projections that I'm making, really going to be worth my time, right? I'm going to put all this time into it, and if, you, if I said to you, okay, I'm going to take every evening and weekend of yours for the next year, uh, and I'm going to give you 50 bucks, are you going to go like, oh, yeah, I'm totally willing to do that, right? Or would you, you know, would you go, maybe I don't want to spend all of this time to only make 50 bucks, but you can't figure that out unless you learn some accounting and finance. So I think force yourself to learn those things. Don't be afraid of them. I think a lot of people get in their mind accounting and finance are math, and people are, a lot of people are afraid of math. They're not math. They're, they're vocabulary. It's just terms you're trying to learn and classify things a certain way. It's like working a puzzle and, and doing a vocabulary assignment at once. So, um, you know, learn, learn accounting, learn finance. Don't be afraid of those things so that you can actually assign a value to your idea and determine for yourself this is something that I actually want to do, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really important, too. And I'm actually learning accounting myself for Wrist World. 
So, Bobby, thank you so much for your time. I know that we and those that listen to this will be a lot better for it, so where can we find more information about you and the work that you're doing at OU? Yeah, if you if you go to the Price College of Business website, um, there's, there's a page on there about IBC, the Integrated Business Core Program. Also, if you ever come to the College of Business, we have a giant display case on the first floor that has like every IBC product that's ever been done. Um, now we're getting second generation IBC students, their parents did it, and now they're coming behind. Uh, so you can go and see what these products are. And then of course, any anyone um, wants to contact me, they can find my profile on the Price College website, send me an email, and I'm more than happy to talk to uh, kid entrepreneurs, right? Students that are interested in this sort of thing. Uh, you can come and observe, you can come and, and talk with me and other faculty at OU, and we'll try our best to get you as integrated as we can into our little ecosystem. Emma, yeah. uh, wasn't that an awesome interview? Yeah, definitely. So what was something that stuck out to you that our audience can do now? Um, definitely that like talking to your customers is a huge part of business because if you don't know what your customers want, then you don't know what your business is really going to turn into and if it's even going to thrive. Yeah, that's really important. So we'll, we'll be right back with the next student business owner. Stay tuned. Julia is a 12-year-old and the founder of Julia's Happy Naturals. She makes soaps, scrubs, muffins, and dog treats with all, with all natural ingredients to improve, to provide and hap, a happy alternative to many of the products on the market made with harsh and artificial ingredients. So hello, Julia. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. And so we are so, so excited to learn more about you and your story. So what is Julia's Happy Naturals and what do you do? Um, I bake and make soaps and do all kind of things. Um, it's really a wide variety of things really, but awesome. I have like different interests and it really... Okay. Okay. So, what would be what? What is your top seller of what you make? Um, I think bread. Bread. Okay. Okay. You make some good bread. Yeah. Okay. That's what I like to hear. Okay. So, when did you become really serious about you know, of course, making some bread, but also making some bread and money? When did you become serious about your business started? Well, really, I had a small baking business when I was younger, like ten years old, um, and I just. I knew someone that was like 16 that had a baking business and I really wanted that too because I was like, oh my gosh, wow, that's so smart. <laughs> and so it really just started by the inspiration and you're like, you know, let's do it. And so how, so how long have you been doing your know, baking business? Um, well, the baking business, it was just like a phase during the summer, but I started thinking of other products I could have and did like a little other like I did Julia's Happy Naturals and that's I did have like a new logo and everything and so yeah and yeah you're good you're good that's great today we are hoping that our youngest entrepreneurs out there can learn from you and uh, about some of the work that you've you've been involved with and what is something that you learned about in starting a business? Um, well, I've learned, well, I've learned how to like make a pitch and like how to use Canva and like, 
I've gotten better at like making soaps and bread stuff. Yeah, and so we know that like, especially I know from firsthand that starting a business is a lot of, a lot of fun, but there also comes a lot of challenges with starting a business. And so could you walk us through some of the challenges that you faced um, when starting your business and what are some of those challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Um, it was pretty easy. Oh, well, I wanted to have like a lot of like products on my line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I was at Loveworks at some, it was like some online class, and mm -hmm. it, they were telling me to, like, try to narrow it down so I have less things, because you have to buy a lot of materials yep. to make that many products. And so, it was kind of difficult, because I had, like, nine different things I wanted to make, but, um... I narrowed it down, and I have products that I like now. So. Yeah, yeah. So going a little bit off script, we love asking this question just kind of to, you know, see what's on your mind. What is like a tip that you want to give to somebody that was in your position a few years ago, or even a few months ago when trying to start a business? What would be a tip that you want to give them? Um, probably don't have that many things like try to have just one or maybe two like products that you're selling because like if you're just starting with like a little bit of like materials or money or whatnot mm -hmm. like it's a lot easier to just have one it's a lot easier to get really good at one thing than yeah. really good at 17 right <laughs> that's mm. good for our last question what is one what has been the one of your most favorite parts about starting your own business um I, I like that when I, like, I can take some of my hobbies and interests and make it, like, productive and, like, that it has, like, a purpose and, yeah, I just, that was... Yeah, taking your hobbies make it profitable, right? <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so, so much for this interview. I know those who listens. They have gotten better for it, and I just thank you for being on the podcast. But that was an awesome interview. What was something that really stuck out to you that you want to repeat back to our viewers and listeners? That, like, you really have to know that, like, you have to be prepared for what struggles and, like, what inconvenience ha might happen, like, uh, with her and her products. Mm -hmm. So she didn't really, she had a lot of stuff to buy, and yeah. it was just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of like playing off of that is I, that's a very valuable lesson to learn is, you know, when you're starting your business, it'd be really easy to, you know, let's say you're make, making cupcakes. I want to have 17 cup, cupcake flavors. Yeah, that sounds really good, but you also have to know that you have to buy all that stuff for that. You have to learn how to bake all that. So maybe get good at making one, two, three flavors and get really, really good at it, and then you can start expanding. You don't have to start very beginning with everything that you're going to remind your customer. So, yeah. That's very valuable information, and I'm so glad you're able to share that with us. And so we will be, we will be back next week with two business owners that will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea of business. And remember that you're on our new page, and if you know somebody that's not on our new page, or maybe somebody that doesn't even know about our podcast, send it to them. Maybe it can help them start their business or idea. And we want to send a huge, huge thank you to Norman Chamber of Commerce and First United Bank and Loveworks Leadership for believing in our youngest entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders don't blend in, they stand out. Dream big. And do your dreams. Bye, y'all.